Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to repeat this verse. Talking about the Apostle Paul, he's testifying. And he's going to testify into the next chapter. And he's going to talk about church dynamics, early church dynamics among the church fathers. He's going to talk about church politics. Now, that doesn't have to be a negative thing, but how many of you know there's a dynamic when people work together? You figure each other out. You're trying to work through stuff, your beliefs. And this was a, a pivotal time in history. It was the early church, right? Jesus had just died and rose again and gone back up to heaven. The Holy Spirit had fallen for the first time on humanity at the day of Pentecost. And so we know that this was a very important time in history. So the Apostle Paul was a large part of that, okay? He was one of the later apostles after the original 12, or you could say 11, because one was a devil, right? Scripture says. So he's talking... He's going to get into that here a moment, and he's testifying about his salvation experience and what people thought and how it involved the early church in Jerusalem as well, because how many of you know that was, that's headquarters of where the early church was founded? Israel. And then in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit was poured out there. So very important. All they knew was that people were saying, there's the Apostle Paul talking, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. Scripture says in the book of Acts early on, that he was there consenting to the stoning of Stephen. Does anyone remember that? Very powerful time in church history. One of the heroes, one of the martyrs. A martyr meaning someone who was killed for the cause of Christ. And uh, Stephen basically lectured them, gave them a, a history on the Jewish people, and they got angry and, and stoned him to death. And uh, it, it's the only time, I believe, in Scripture where it says that Jesus was standing at the right-hand side of the Father. So it almost sounds like Jesus stood in Stephen's honor. Can you imagine getting Jesus to stand for you in heaven? Because he was being stoned for something that was good and right. And he said, I see him standing. And they, they, they stopped up their ears and they stoned him. Well, when they stoned him, one of the people that was there as a witness, he was consenting. It doesn't say that he stoned Stephen, but was a young man named Saul. And he became Paul. Okay, on the road to Damascus. Because he was against this. He didn't understand it. He was a hater of the early church until God changed him on the road to Damascus. And, and Scripture says they laid their garments at his feet. Like, here, watch my jacket. I'm going to kill somebody. You know, crazy. So he's saying this. The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. Man, they would drag people out of their homes, take them to the synagogue, and the Jews were hardcore. The Jews were killing people doing all kinds of stuff. Remember, they, they're the ones that had Jesus put to death, so they weren't playing. The ones that were against um, this new Christianity, they called it the way. If you read in Acts, they called it the way, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So they're saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy, when referring to Paul. And he says, and they praised God huh, because of me. I imagine right? It's like someone you see on TV who's a big devil and is always coming after the church and hates God and all this stuff. They get saved. Man, we'd be praising God because of them, right, if they come to the Lord. So look, at, he goes on here. We're in Galatians chapter 2. So he says, then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, his traveling partner, and Titus came along too. 
I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those um, considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. Now, this is a very, very unique moment in history because, remember, the Jews, (laughs) for hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years, knew that they were God's people. In their minds, they were basically God's gift to mankind. They knew because of them and through them that the truth of God's word could come to the whole world. And they knew that the promises that were given to Abraham were, in blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply you, and in you I will bless all the the people of the planet. Now, they were right on all this, but they had an inflated opinion of themselves. Okay? The Jewish people, they were God's chosen people, not because they were great or mighty, it's just God chose them to bring the Savior through their bloodline and to protect them and keep them separate from all the pagan nations. And that's what the Old Testament is about. So when the Apostle Paul is coming and saying, I'm taking this new good news to the Gentiles, and who are Gentiles? It's me and you unless we have some Jewish blood in us, right? A non-Jew. Gentiles were considered pagans. They were considered unclean. You were not supposed to go into a non-Jew's house to eat. So very interesting. Um... (laughs) Just a whole different world. So Paul coming to say, I've all, for many years now, I've been preaching to the Gentiles was a big deal. It was a bombshell. A lot of folks in Jerusalem already knew, but he didn't know how they were going to receive him. Right? So he's there to confirm with the people of God, look, this is what I'm doing. And look at what he says. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my what? Efforts had been wasted, and I was running the race for nothing. So had they responded with, no, you're doing wrong, this is not of God, you're not supposed to go to the Gentiles, would have changed some things. But the ones who sought God and were men and women of God, obviously they said, this is right. This is right. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. You can look that up. I'm not going to discuss that in a mixed crowd. Most of you know what circumcision is. That was a large part of the covenant, if you recall, with Abraham and then later with Moses, was that men, boys, be circumcised on the eighth day after their birth. Okay, It's for health reasons, but it's also a sign of the covenant between God and his people. All right? So he says they didn't even demand that Titus be circumcised because Jews would do that to grown men. They'd say, oh, you haven't been circumcised? You need to be circumcised. You can't even minister to us. We're not going to even accept you. They were that hardcore. So he says they didn't demand it. And they supported me and did not demand that he be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Someone say Gentile. A non-Jew. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there. Now, there were spies, is what it sounds like. False ones, really, who were secretly brought in. They were Orthodox Jews who didn't believe in Jesus and say, oh, I'm a believer now. But they wanted to know what was going on. Strange, strange moment in history there, but fascinating. False ones, he says, who were secretly brought in, they what? They sneaked in to spy on us. So, past tense, I know our whole lives we probably said snuck in. Sneaked. Lord, tell my mom we're teaching correct grammar up in here. <laughs> mom is a grammar major. So they sneaked in. <laughs> that's a freebie. To spy on us. They didn't snuck in. To spy on us. I don't know why I told you that, but it's just, it's just how it is. And take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. So there were spies that came in, didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe in the way, didn't believe the gospel like you and I do. 
to try to take away their freedom out of jealousy, out of spite, whatever. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish what? Regulations. Scripture explains Scripture. In Acts, the Jews, when they were talking, the saved Jews, Apostle Peter and them, said, man, why are you trying to put a burden on these Gentiles that we couldn't even bear? Because the Old Testament, it's good in and of itself, right? God's law is good. But man, it's hard for humans to fulfill all of it. It's so hard. I don't remember the exact number right now. I don't want to misquote it, but I believe it's over 600 principles that you're supposed to obey from the Old Testament. I think it's 613, but I need to look that up again. It's been a while since I mentioned that. So the apostle said, man, don't put this on the Gentiles. But here we are again talking about it. There are those trying to put it on the Gentiles, right? <laughs> you guys got to do all this stuff, all this stuff. But that's not what makes you free. Jesus is who makes you free. And scripture says, in Jesus, all of the law is fulfilled. Because if you love God and love others, you're going to do the right thing at all times. Okay? But we refuse to give in to them for a single moment. Isn't that great? They didn't vacillate. They didn't, they didn't waffle. They didn't go back and forth. He said, we did not give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the true gospel message, as someone said it earlier, is freedom. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Jesus is freedom. Okay? Let's keep going. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching, which is another powerful confirmation. Basically said, hey, you're doing good. And he said, look, by the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorite. He wasn't intimidated by them. He, but he saw it as a great time for God to confirm his word and what he was doing through Paul to the Gentiles. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the good news or the gospel to the Gentiles. Just as he had given Peter the responsibility of what? Preaching to the Jews. How many of you know there's someone to reach out and speak the truth of God's word to everyone? There's people you can reach that would never listen to me. There are those that are very open to me when they hear I'm a pastor, and there are those, I'm telling you, I've met them before. They were fine until they heard I was a pastor. They're like, or they act more religious, and they start talking different, or they just don't want to be around me. And that's rare, but it's, it's always caught me off guard. And I'm like, aren't you Christians? Did I bother you? Y'all ain't living right, huh? <laughs> Why are you acting so weird with me right now? Everybody's called to their sphere of influence. All right? Did you know, I've said this before, but I love saying it, even introverts, is, is there anyone in here that recharges alone and likes to be alone often? You're an introvert, raise your hand. I think you're beautiful people. You're my opposite. But even I need alone time, Okay. Going through a season right now that I probably have more alone time than I did before, but I'm telling you that I respect introverts. They're my opposite as a whole. And, uh, but did you know even introverts, those that go, man, I'm so sick of everybody, I'm going to go be alone. And that's okay. Even introverts, not as outgoing, they're not extroverts. They affect at least 10,000 people in their lifetime. Extrovert or introvert, you are important to God. There's not one that's better than another. We're different. Okay? So your sphere of influence, there's people you can reach that would never hear me. Okay? I'd like to say, you know, that's why I don't wear a tie and a suit every Sunday morning because I'm just trying to reach people and get to them. But no, I just don't like suits and ties. 
But I love this, that dad over the years said, hey, you got to be yourself. So here I am on a, on a Wednesday night preaching in Air Force Ones, my favorite shoes on the planet, even though they run a little hot, get your feet a little warm in the summer. I got a T-shirt, jeans, and Air Force Ones. You can't see all that on camera. But I'm called to reach a certain type of person, right? And so are you. And there are those, once again, that you are called to in your sphere of influence. So he says, man, I've been called to the Gentiles just like Peter has been called to the Jews. Who are you called to? Wow, your neighbors, your relatives. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews. Remember, apostle is a messenger, simply put, like an angel. They're just, they're a messenger. The same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. And, I mean, these apostles were setting up churches and doing setting up works and all kinds of stuff. Scripture says that the Apostle Paul began teaching in Ephesus, and in, I believe, is it two and a half years? All of Asia Minor had heard the gospel of Jesus. This was pre-internet, pre-vehicle, like we drive, pre-car, pre-news. They had shared the gospel with every, everybody had heard, and they decided whether they wanted it or not, but just by teaching and preaching and sharing. Powerful. Let's keep moving. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Isn't that something? Now, this is going to keep getting interesting here once again it's early church dynamics and human interpersonal relations and just because we don't agree on everything doesn't mean we can't be walking in love with each other y'all understand that we're going to agree on most stuff like right away we throw out a net and say everybody in here believes in jesus oh man he's the only way to heaven everybody in here believes in the holy spirit and the father oh man we all believe in the word but there's different things that we don't agree on exactly and that's okay their only suggestion was that look at this to keep preaching, keep doing what you're doing with the Gentiles. The only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. Isn't that fascinating? Don't forget the poor. And please, you don't forget the poor either. Okay? Reach out to the poor. Love them. Give them the gospel, man. Give them a dollar. Give them something. Bless them. Be available to help the poor. Now, this is going to get into something a little different, and all of a sudden it, go, it gets drastic, okay? So he says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. Here we go. Here we go. And it's all because of Jewish customs and beliefs. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't, what, eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. They have, they're not circumcised according to the law. You can't even eat with them. And Peter was going between the two. He was human. And we know that he was very passionate, outgoing, <laughs> outspoken, crazy. But in many ways, he was fearless. But even Peter had a moment where he feared. As a result, other Jewish believers followed he, Peter's hypocrisy. Man, Paul's, Paul's a straight shooter. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. They're being false. They're acting one way here and a different way in another place. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, look at this, he called him out, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, 
why are you now trying to make these Jewish Gentiles, uh, sorry, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You're not even doing it. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yeah, we know that a person is made right with, with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we what? Might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by what? Obeying the law. You know what the law does? We'll stop there for tonight. Galatians 2.16. You know what the law does? It just points out your sin. It says you basically can't cope with all this. God is holy and you're not. Abraham figured out something, and this was before the law, and that was he was made right with God just by believing him. So faith makes you right with God. Scripture says the just shall live by faith. The law itself is good and needful. It's got to point out sin. You've got to have a law and a moral standard. It's amazing to me that people don't realize that America has been great all these years because America has been good. We have our flaws. We have our family issues, right? I don't want other people talking about America. We do have our problems. Some things have gotten better. Some have gotten worse. But let me tell you this. America was founded upon greatness and well people meaning to do well, many of them, as godly people, with the flaws, with the issues in there. Very imperfect because humans are involved. But the greatness of America came from Scripture. That's where our moral law came from. And now you have people in America, they hate the Bible, man. They spit on the Bible. They hate it. You can't talk about Jesus. They hate it. You're a bigot. You're this and that. No, we got to remember that all, much of what America has is because of the Old and New Testament, but it all originated in the Old Testament, okay? Law. Don't, don't murder. Don't steal. There's laws now to enforce all that. Now we have too many laws. Because there's so much sin, they're trying to legislate everything. Just things are out of control. But let's read that again, Galatians 2.16. Let me read the whole verse. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, the Old Testament. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we what? Might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by what? Simply obeying the law. You've got to place your faith in Jesus to be made right with God. All right? So on that note, let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. You're such wonderful listeners. Thank you for your humble hearts. Is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice? We just discussed that. You say, man, I, I, I don't know that I'm right with God. Can I get right with God? How? You need to accept Jesus. If that's you in this house, you've never accepted Jesus. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray with you. Just throw the net out there. I need to make sure at every service. If you need to accept Jesus tonight, if you've never done it, you don't know where you're going if you die, please raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray as a family. And if there's not anyone here, let's pray together for the benefit of those on the live stream, okay? On YouTube and on Facebook Live. Let's pray together. Repeat this prayer after me if you would. Say, Heavenly Father, Please forgive me. I come to you as a sinner that needs your grace. Please, please forgive me. Cleanse me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. 
and I confess him as my Lord. And I believe that he died and rose again to save me. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And thank you for saving me tonight. I believe that you have saved me from sin and from hell and from myself. I believe in Jesus' name.